Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. And welcome in everybody to Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you on this hump day. Happy hump day, everybody. Always a lot of fun on the show. A busy show today. We've got the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joining us in the next segment. We'll talk a little KU football. We'll talk a little KU basketball. All kinds of good stuff to talk about. When it comes with the Jayhawks today, we'll do that again in our next segment. Coming up top of the next hour, we'll have Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul. The Shockers have one game in the books. They'll get another one in the books here this weekend uh, before they get a pretty good little road test at Richmond. So we'll talk to Kevin Saul about that, see how things are going, see uh, what he's thought very, very early on in the Shocker basketball season. Tommy, welcome in. Good morning. Good morning, Jacob. How you doing today? Oh, you know, just uh, living the dream here, uh, bouncing around, getting kids to Late school. Late night last night, was it, did you have election coverage you had to work on? We did. We had election yeah. coverage last night, which things did not end for a lot of the big statewide races. So, uh, yeah, late night last night, early mornings right now. We're trying to get my wife's store open uh, in the next little bit, and there's some critical dates there. We're going crazy, getting kids off to school. It's funny. It's like kids, and I don't know if your son's old enough for this yet, but they can always tell when you're really busy, and they do <laughs> everything that they can to slow it down. It's like this knack that they have. This morning, we're trying to get out the door. I'm trying to get my three-year-old uh, off to his school and you know get back and get a few things scheduled and get ready to start to, to show prep here, the final stages of that, and it's the dreaded, I got to poop. So you got to <laughs> drop everything. And take care of that. My kid. Yeah. My kid, it's that. He knows when we're really busy and he knows when we don't feel good. Like, I feel kids, you know, kids have that knack to know when you're like, when you're sick, when you're under the weather. Um, yesterday, I wasn't feeling good at all. And he know he knew that. And it was like, I'm just going to drive you crazy because yeah. you don't feel good. I mean, it's that they know when you're busy and they know when you're sick. They're like dogs too. They also know when you're stressed and sometimes they'll do every, they'll like try to relieve that a little yeah. bit like a dog would, like a dog can see it in your <laughs> eyes and we'll just like, uh, it, it's funny as we make our way through uh, parenthood in this wild and crazy journey as well. Uh, we're going to give away some movie tickets. In fact, uh, we've got two four packs of tickets to give away today to a sneak preview, which will be tomorrow night at seven o'clock to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Let's get both of those given away today um, so that we can so that we can make sure everybody's got uh, the ability to make their plans around that. It's a 7 o'clock showing tomorrow night at Boulevard Theaters in Town West, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Let's just jump out of the gates with it. Uh, we've got Jad Chambers back there, 869-1240. Let's give away one four-pack now. We'll do that right now to our second caller, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, 869-1240, and we'll do another one uh, a little later in the show. So good luck, everybody. Hope you enjoy the movie. I've seen the previews. They look fantastic. I'm sure that movie 
is going to be really, really cool. Tommy, we get the CFP rankings out, the new ones. TCU sort of had things taken care of for them. Um, they got screwed the first time around, and, you know, it wasn't that we didn't think they could get in because, of course, they can. It's that it just shows you what the committee thinks to put them where they had them, but now they jump up to four. They had another big win, and they're in the position they want to be in. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and, and there was a lot of conversation when the first rankings came out about how low TCU was. They were, like what, seventh when the first ranking came out, and, and teams like Alabama were ahead of them. Uh, and, and now, so, you know, obviously they get into fourth. Uh, they're in the, the playoff picture right now uh, and, and well-deserved. Uh, you know, they've, they've not they've not had a loss this season. They've played really good football throughout the entire season. Uh, they're the, the lone remaining undefeated team in the Big 12, so it makes a lot of sense. One other area that this is a positive for TCU being at number four are the two teams right in front of them in Ohio State and Michigan. Even if both of those teams finish the regular season without a loss, one of them will have a loss in the Big Ten championship game if they play each other, when they play each other. Um, they're on that collision course to do so. So that bodes well for really whatever team is in that fourth position in the rankings. It happens to be TCU. Um, and so they've got – they're in the driver's seat. All they have to do is handle their business the, the final three uh, weeks of the season. Um, and if they're able to do so, then it looks – you know, fairly, fairly good that they'll be in that playoff. Of course, they've got to play in the Big 12 championship game and all of that, but um, they're in as good of a, of a position right now as they could ask for. I think there is some danger still remaining for them. Um, if they, because, and, and here's why that Alabama thing last week is pesky, because it showed that the committee was willing to put a one-loss team ahead of them. So I think there probably deserves to be some fear in Ohio State or Michigan still remaining ahead with a loss because the, if the loss only came to the other team. And, you know, same with Georgia and Tennessee. Um, you know, LSU at two losses isn't going to jump them. I don't think Oregon with one loss is going to jump them. But, man, if, TC, if Tennessee ran it out, I, I think there's still some danger in there for TCU. That's what troubled me from the beginning about the Alabama positioning was they were telling you they valued that one-loss team ahead of TCU. Could they go back to that? I think that they could. I think it'll be much harder if TCU runs the table to do that now, but I think that possibility always exists. Um, and that's a problem with the system. We know that. The four-team system sucks. If you disagree, you can let us know 869-1240, but it's a problem because you're going to have to you're going to have to sort these teams out when none of them have played the same sort of schedule. It's always been the problem with college football. It's always created this fallacy that teams actually have a chance at a national championship when we know good and well they don't. Um, that's not the case for TCU right now, but it's you know it's the case for a lot of teams all year long. You know that if you lose one game, you're out. That's a silly way to determine a champion when you have as many teams as college football has. So people are starting to have fun now as these rankings come out with uh, sort of putting out what a 12-team playoff model might look like if you took the top 12 directly tommy you would get georgia ohio state michigan and tc with a bye of course that wouldn't happen because ohio state michigan would play each other but just as far as where the rankings sit right now um you'd have that you'd have ucla and tennessee you'd have ole miss and oregon you'd have clemson and lsu you'd have alabama and usc as first round games which of course would be incredible i don't know why anybody wouldn't want what we just laid out that would be amazing and hopefully will be amazing very very soon 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that eliminates a little bit of the the conversations that the committee you know, has had to have over the last couple of weeks. And I remember uh, a week ago, the justification for Alabama being ahead of TCU was that TCU had fallen behind in, in football games. Now, Alabama had too. That just kind of shows that bias of uh, the SEC and the brand of Alabama football and all of that. But um, that, that it becomes subjective. It becomes, you know, do these teams pass the eye test? When you only have four spots and you have to fill those four spots and then you have really, really good football teams that just missed the cut, then the committee has to start looking at who do we like better? Who do we think looks better on the field? Um, who's winning by what margin? Uh, are they falling behind on games? What do they look like offensively? What do they look like defensively? What's their schedule like? I mean, there are all these different subjective questions that have to be asked. It doesn't completely go away when you expand it to 12 because those questions will still be there, but not at as high of a level as they are right now. I mean, you look at the NCAA basketball tournament, there's 68 teams. There are still conversations every single year about teams that miss the cut and, and whatnot. But you're not talking about, you know, cream of the crop teams that are missing the cut. You're not having that conversation necessarily like you're having in college football right now where it's only the top four. And there are really good football teams right outside the top four that, you know, have strong cases to be made to make that tournament. So, yeah, I mean, expansion is a no brainer. It's ridiculous that it's taken so long to get to that point. But I feel like this it doesn't eliminate a lot of the subjective questions about football teams, but I think it at least lessens it. Well, look, you're always going to have if you had 100 teams, you'd have 101 and 102 complaining that they're not in. Right. And that's fine. I don't I don't ever come out of better than number four, number five or number five and number six having those same questions. Yeah. Yeah, And and we don't get to the college basketball tournament and think, God, if 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 they would have just let in uh, team 65, this tournament would have been totally different. Like that doesn't happen. And that wouldn't happen in this either. Once you got down to, you know, this year would be Utah and Penn State, North Carolina, NC State, sort of in that range. I, I mean, I don't think those teams are winning a national title. You know, it, it's it's okay. Would you like to get in? Absolutely you would. And maybe they eventually go to 16. Maybe 16 is the model they come up with, which I'd be fine with too. 12 or 16, I think, is the answer um, right now. You could probably get it bigger later on, but there's no need to go that big right away. Um, you can you can probably keep it to 12 or 16 and be fine. So there's another predictive, uh, and I've seen this two or three different places. Uh, th- there's been a predictive model that sort of tried to play the season out a little bit to where you know you go all the way through the finish here and where things might go. So in this scenario that I've seen, I've seen this exact bracket probably three or four different places. I'm reading it off of the transfer portal on Twitter right now. Um, you'd have Alabama and USC still in the first round. You'd have Clemson and LSU. You'd have Michigan and Tulane. And you have Tennessee and Ole Miss with Georgia, Oregon, TCU, and Ohio State getting the buys. That's even That's even sexier to me because you get Tulane in there with a shot. We know how good Tulane is. They beat K-State, and they've maintained that level. Uh, I mean, first-round games, Bama, USC, Clemson, LSU, Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Michigan versus the underdog? That's fantastic. I mean, that's incredible. People, We would eat that up. We would love it. And that gives yeah. four teams a bye. If you want to take the 12-team model, that's fine. 
if you didn't want to take the 12-team model, you might see Georgia play NC State in the opening round or Ohio State play North Carolina or TCU play Penn State. Either way, it would be fantastic. And it just, it is mind-numbing and always has been to me, Tommy. I'm a, I'm a small school college guy. At the Division II level, there was a playoff every year. And and I think it was, I think it was 32 teams. They took, I, I don't remember now, but it was enough. And it was so much fun. And now in that model, they played home games. So I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't even think that's necessary. And I know people have been worried about the bowl system. The bowl system does not have to change in this model whatsoever. The only thing that would have to change is the timing of bowl games. And I'm going to tell you, if these bowl sponsors and, and bowl game organizers are so worried about that, one time, let this happen one year and watch how you sell that game out and you will not care anymore that you're playing that game on a different day than what you've played it on the last 50 years because you're going to sell it out and everybody in the world's going to be watching it. Yeah, take a team like Alabama, for example, and I can't believe that I'm actually defending Alabama football uh, because they're kind of like the, what the evil empire of college football, but uh, I'm going to defend them for a second. I don't know if there's anybody out there, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know if there's anybody out there that can say with certainty that Alabama could not, not will not, but could not win a national championship this season. Now, they have fallen a couple of different times. They've not looked good at times, but they've got Bryce Young, kind of sure. the presumptive Heisman guy. They've got Nick Saban, right? Like, they could win the national championship. As it stands right now, they're out of that top four and might, you probably won't have a chance to play for it. So I feel like in that scenario, and there's not a there, there's not an advertiser, a sponsor, um, TV networks that wouldn't want Alabama. I mean, Alabama's in that playoff every single year, and it's big money. You can't tell me that all of these people wouldn't want a brand like Alabama for a chance to make a run at that, even if they're the sixth, seventh, eighth seed, whatever. It doesn't matter at that point. They're playing for a shot, and they could win. And so when you limit it to four, you're 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 closing out teams that could have the potential to make a run at it. Now you go you go past twelve or you go past sixteen. Yeah, the teams that you listed off, come on, they're not winning a national championship. So I think that you can have a cutoff and have it have and it still maintain the integrity. Them. There's nothing wrong with them getting a chance to right. It's just sure. another good college football game. I mean, it's fine. You still want Cinderella. Cinderella is why we love March Madness, right? Does does uh, you know? whoever it is, right, Loyola Chicago coming in, we're like, no, they don't have a chance to win a national title. But maybe they do. And I get it. Basketball is different than football. It certainly is. Um, but you still want Cinderella. You still want, you know, the Terriers in there as a 16 rocking a number one, even though they have no real shot to win at all. That's okay. That's all right. Even a step further than Alabama, Tommy, because they lost two games, right? We're looking at a scenario now where Tennessee, with a loss – may not get in. Oregon, who lost early and has boat raced people since, might not get in. I mean, you've got a lot of one-loss teams in there um, that may not have the chance that you feel like are good enough, and that's not okay. And who but did both of those teams lose to? The number one team in America in Georgia. Right. I mean, you're, you're going to tell me that, yeah, I, I get that Tennessee had an opportunity a week ago to prove themselves as the number one team in America. They weren't able to do so. Georgia is head and shoulders above them. But you're going to tell me that they're not one of the four best teams in the country? I don't know. I mean, it's it's difficult because you've got 
Ohio State and Michigan that have such a stranglehold on two and three. Georgia's not going anywhere. Really, that fourth spot is kind of the only one up for grabs that TCU holds right now. Yeah, it's um, the bigger problem to me, because Tennessee with the loss, right? They lost to Georgia, but they lost within their own conference. But even more than anything in this model, what bugs me is you potentially have a really good Power 5 team in the Big 12 or the Pac-12 that could have a loss, one, that would get left out. And that's a problem. One, you should have—I don't care if they have four losses. If you win your league and you're a Power 5 league, you should be in the playoff, whatever it looks like. Period. Period. Right now, we can't even—you know, there's five of those leagues in four spots. So, I mean, that's that's the simplest, stupidest thing about it. You, you win your conference, and you don't get a chance to play in the postseason. Like, nowhere else in college sports do we have anything that ridiculous. You win your way in, right? Otherwise, what's the point of having conferences in the first place, right? It doesn't even matter in football. And, and it's all a problem. And it's going to change. The change is coming. I don't know why we don't change it next year. Like, what on earth? earth are we waiting for right now the bowl games are fine the first round game when you know alabama plays usc boom that's the sugar bowl uh when when oregon plays tulane boom that's the cheese it bowl like who cares you just those games take on the bowl and you move forward or sorry bulls like, nobody cares. Like, we'll we'll move on with this playoff, which is a way better product. You can either get on board and you or not, or you can get lost. Nobody cares about the Rose Bowl being the Big Ten champion and the, and the Pac-12 champion and that it's played on a certain day. <laughs> nobody cares. We'd way rather see that be a playoff game that's just played when it needs to be played. It can still be the Rose Bowl. You'd still have great crowds. Teams will travel or get. Do a mix. Have some home games mixed in there, which would also be really, really cool to be able to do. But I think you just shift the bowls to be these games. I think that's the easiest solution that makes the most money. But we're not in charge. Tommy, what do we know? Only, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) what logically is sitting in front of us so blatantly staring us in the face. And you look at college basketball, the conference champion gets an automatic bid into the tournament. Now there are a lot more teams, right? Uh, (sighs) But... One difference in college football is that you're not having a conference tournament. You're having a conference championship game between first and second place. Uh, And so you don't have to worry about, all right, is the five seed going to make a Cinderella run and make it, you know, and win the, the, the championship tournament and get an automatic bid and steal a bit away from somebody else you know it's going to be either the number one or the number two team in that conference because you're not having a conference tournament you're just playing for a conference championship so that that does make it a little bit better you don't have to worry about man that number five team is going to come in and take a bit away um so i feel like there are measures in place like safety measures to to make sure that you're getting the top marquee teams playing in what could be a a 12 team or a 16 team tournament Tommy, a decade from now, when we're parenting teenagers wanting to pull our hair out, that still won't be as frustrating as trying to remember back to pre-playoff and pre—two things, pre-playoff in college football and the lack of NIL or some version of compensating these college athletes. We'll look back at that and think, how in the hell was that the model for so long? Like, hey, that it makes wasn't- no sense. 
it wasn't that long ago that a computer model told us who the national champion was going to be. I mean, come on. Right. We have come a long uh, way. I mean, it's not perfect yet, but we've come a long way from that. I don't want to pat ourselves on the back as a society for accepting this because it's taking too long. Like, there's no reason for it. We all know it's the wrong thing to do. It's like, what? what it, it's, it does just will never make sense why we're waiting on this and why it's been going on for so long. Let's talk about college football. KU's not going to play for a national championship, uh, but they might play for a Big 12 championship. They're alive in KU basketball. The Grady Dick hype is out of control. We'll talk to the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, about all of it next on Sports Daily. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH as we get ready for Brian Haney here to join us. The voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. Here we go. He is getting on the line as we speak, Tommy. Uh, You know, Kansas, is it football season or basketball season, Tommy? What do you think? Uh, I think it's actually still football season. Um, All right. Not that I don't enjoy watching Kansas basketball. Like, that's great. It's cool. It's fun. Love watching Grady Dick and, you know, Jalen Wilson doing his thing and all of that. But, man, I mean, football season is not done. Three games to go. Uh, The Jayhawks could finish with a winning record. No, you have to pick a side. You have to. Now you've officially drawn your line in the sand. You're a football guy. It's football season. I'm kidding. Nobody else has to do that. Everybody else gets to enjoy both. It's just with KU, there's been this defined line of, oh, God, thank God it's basketball <laughs> season now. And it that's, doesn't exist anymore, and that's so cool. Uh, we love seeing it. Big game for the Jayhawks this weekend coming up against Texas Tech. They are still alive in the Big 12 hunt. Uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get an update here uh, with Brian as soon as we get him on Jalen Daniels. Uh, should be a ton of fun there. Basketball. KU goes and plays North Dakota State. That'll come uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. They get that one at home. Um, So busy week. Road for football, home for basketball. You know, after North Dakota State, up next then, Tommy, is Duke. That's the Duke game at that point. And that one will come Tuesday night. It comes in Indianapolis this year. Should be fantastic. Uh, No Bill Self, of course. Um, Yeah, how about that game with – how about that game with Duke and you've got Norm Roberts on one sideline and John Shire on the other sideline. We're not, we don't have Bill Self and Coach K. Uh, so that's going to be a little different uh, for that matchup, but um, should be fun to watch that high level basketball. How excited, here's what I'm excited about that game, because I don't, you know, these games are a lot of fun for us. I don't think they are like determining factors in how good these teams are Duke and KU early in the year, because we know they lean on young players that will get better. Um, It's, it's interesting. I'm so curious to see how Grady Dick plays against a team like that. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we saw him, we saw him look good in exhibition and we saw him look great against Omaha. What about when you get the athletes to the level of Duke out there? That's, I think going to be really cool to see. 
Yeah, I think so too. And I mentioned it yesterday on the show. I was reminded a little bit in that opening game uh, the other night with with Kansas and Grady Dick was reminded of Quentin Grimes when he debuted with Kansas. What was that three or four years ago? And his mm-hmm. very first game, it wasn't like they played in Omaha. Uh, their very first game was Michigan State and uh, outside of the exhibition. And Quentin Grimes had a great debut, uh, scored over 20 points. He looked really good. He looked the part as a freshman. Now he cooled off after that, ended up transferring out of Kansas. We all know he went to Houston, had a great career there. Uh, but it was it was great to see in that moment when you have a highly regarded freshman talent coming in playing at a high level against a really good basketball team. So I'm with you. I think it's going to be really um, interesting and exciting to watch what Grady Dick can do against the level of competition like Duke. All right, Brian Haney joining us now. All right, Tommy, hit it. I'm Sports Daily, getting all the inside information on the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's go now to the voice of KU, Brian Haney. All right, there we go, Brian Haney, uh, running him down. We got football and basketball to talk about, Brian. Let's talk about football first. Um, You got the bowl game. We can all breathe a sigh of relief. Now it almost feels like new life. This this is for me, and I'm speaking only for myself. Almost feels like new life here and an opportunity now. KU still in the mix for a Big 12 title here, and they could be getting their quarterback back. Do you feel that vibe in new life? You got the bowl game kind of off the chest a little bit, and now it's all house money the rest of the way? This early and, you know, still a chance to finish the regular season with seven or eight wins. You never know. Uh, usually for Kansas, if, if they make it to bowl eligibility, and it's the 13th time all time, it's – it's usually toward the end of the regular season, so there's still opportunity here. I think uh, in listening to Coach Leipold at the end of yesterday's practice, he was reminding the guys that, hey, you know, we don't want to be complacent and act like, you know, we, we're fat and happy with this sixth win and we got our goalposts torn down and thrown in Potter Lake and had a Saturday we'll never forget for the rest of our lives. We don't want to stop there. We want to keep building upon that and and give them even more memories to cherish and and get to an even better bowl and, and have an even stronger legacy when it's all said and done. And so, yeah, it's, it's house money for sure, but it's definitely not a fat and happy. We've done what we set out to do type thing. I, I think uh, it's going to be challenging these next three games, Texas Tech's fighting for bowl eligibility too. these next few weeks. Obviously Texas has, has looked like a, a better team in the second half of the season and Kansas state you know, at times has looked like one of the top two teams in the conference. And so it's going to be a challenge, no doubt. But I, I think our guys, uh, you know, have a, a renewed energy. Uh, you know, last week there was great practices because they were determined to get that monkey off their back and snap the streak. Now there's this, hey, let's go see how far we could take this thing. And I think that's a, it's a fun state of mind to be in, no doubt. Brian, we know all of the extra benefits that come with being bull eligible, um, the, the boost in recruiting, the boost in exposure, all of that. But what, what does that mean as far as extra practice time, as far as uh, this team being able to stay together for a longer period of time? I mean, that's got to be uh, an added positive, an added bonus for this program. Yeah, that's huge. You know, and, and for a lot of years, there were, you know, seven or eight Big 12 teams that were getting that extra month, and Kansas was always one of the teams that wasn't. And when you're a have-not 
and, and you're not getting that extra time to close the gap, and the gap's only widening each December when these other teams with 80% of the league making bowl games are getting more time together, it, it hurts you even more. So, you know, it's not a full month, but uh, depending on when your bowl game is, I guess. But but it is a significant amount of additional time. It definitely helps, especially with uh, – you know, some of the, the new players and the younger players to get those additional reps. And, and for guys that have been having nagging injuries, chance for them to, to be at their healthiest, you know, for the final game of the year. And so we're excited about that aspect of it too. And then as you, you know, inch closer towards signing day, the early signing day, um, it's, you know, a completely different spin when you're talking to these recruits. Hey, yeah, we, we can uh, set up that visit tomorrow. We're actually getting set for our bowl game today, but we'll talk tomorrow <laughs> as opposed to, yeah, our, our calendar is wide open. When do you want us to come? It's it's a different kind of feel for sure. And so we're looking forward to that, looking forward to seeing this staff perhaps capitalize on postseason success even more so than the Mangino era. I think if there was one uh, regret or, or, or disappointment, you know, from the – amazing 0708 stretch that Kansas football had when Todd Reesing and Kerry Meyer and Des Briscoe and all these Jayhawk legends were winning 20 games in a two-year span. There wasn't a ton of coaching continuity, maybe with, with some of what was going on in, in the midst of the program at that time, and he didn't capitalize on it with huge recruiting classes. It wasn't quite as fruitful of a cash-in-on-your-success experience that I think this staff could now make this. And, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's a situation where they're already beating the drum and going across the state and recruiting. Coach Leipold's going to miss Hawk Talk tonight because they're, you know, out talking to a great recruit. And um, it's, it's one of those types of deals where you got to strike while the iron's hot and, and capitalize on what you have going in the present to make sure your future is just as exciting, if not more so. And so that's one area where – we keep comparing, you know, this season to 03 under Mangino, you know, when they went from two wins the first season to bowl eligibility the second. I think that this coaching staff, if they have continuity, and that's something that Travis Goff's working on right now to not only give Leipold what he wants and deserves big picture long term, but also, you know, make sure his assistants and coordinators are taken care of. If they have that type of continuity, the hope is that, you know, this becomes a regular thing around here. And it's not just – you know, two seasons of going to a bowl game in back-to-back years, but something that becomes a regular deal and recruiting classes that build off one another. And maybe that's easier to do now in the transfer portal age too because guys seeking instant gratification and instant playing time can hop on a rising program that's that's coming off a bowl game but losing a few starters here or there. Maybe that's an easier sell. I don't know. But I think any Kansas fan who's watching closely late in the Mangino era would tell you that they didn't reap a, a huge harvest on the heels of those 20 wins in two seasons in recruiting like I think this coaching staff might be able to now if they can keep the, the lion's share of the staff together. So that's, that's one thing we're already kind of thinking about as you start to turn the page toward the future. But make no mistake, we're also locked in on Texas Tech and, and heading to Lubbock this weekend and trying to, to make sure that uh, the sixth win versus Oklahoma State and our first win over a ranked team in 12 years isn't our last win of the regular season. One more on football from us, Brian, before we can switch over to some hoops. Jalen Daniels, Tyson Bean, uh, Jason Bean, sorry, Jason Bean gets the win. Uh, we're we're seeing Daniels. He's there. Is he? Is do you think he's ready? What did you see, or what did we hear about his potential status moving forward? 
I think that with every week, he's uh, obviously getting closer, but I think substantially closer. And it's at the point now where, you know, he's going to be available if needed. Whereas I think last week, both Coach Leipold and anybody else around the situation would have been hesitant to have admitted, was he the emergency quarterback? Was was he truly going to be able to get in the game? I, I think if, if Bean would have had a more significant amount of pain, you remember late in the fall game, it was probably 10 minutes to go in the fourth. He took a shot in the midsection on the three-yard line, Bean did, and then went in the medical tent. It was both Daniels and Vasco warming up, but it was Vasco that put his helmet on and was ready to go in until Oklahoma State had that quick scoring drive and and suddenly they cut it to a two-score game and then suddenly Bean's ribs were feeling a lot better. <laughs> and by the way, he, he's, he's good to go. It's, it's not bothered him at all this week, so that was a very short-term thing. The point is, I, I think last week, as good as it was to see Jalen throwing these beautiful 35-yard uh, touchdown pass patterns down the right and left sideline during pregame warmups and, and dancing around out there with a smile on his face and all that, it still wasn't where you wanted him to be uh, in terms of uh, you know, taking a hit and, and, and having stability in, in that recovered shoulder injury. And so that's one thing, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously improved dramatically if he can be out there doing a lot of football things, but it also needs to be stable and strong to withstand the rigors of, of you know, the most brutal sport you can play. So um, I think that this week, just in watching, you know, the body language and reading between the lines on what's been said, he's definitely a lot closer, but they're still being very careful. And, uh, and so is this a week where he goes from third on the depth chart to two? And should Bean go down, he's ready to play, but you're still trying to hold him out if you can? Maybe. I, I really don't know. And they're not going to say officially. That'll truly be one of those things that's monitored throughout the week and, and a decision's made, you know, at the end of the week. But he'll absolutely be on the trip to Lubbock. He'll absolutely be in uniform. But I don't know that you pull Jason Bean out right now with uh, the way he looked over the weekend and, and uh, the momentum that you guys picked up versus Oklahoma State. But once Jalen's 100% and they're not worried about structure and stability of the shoulder and all that, it's still his team. I just think right now it's a combination of you've got some momentum. He's probably still not completely where you'd like him to be to where you can definitively say there's going to be a change at the top. Could that happen by Saturday? Absolutely it could. Yeah, I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, could it be a situation where they're both used in some regard? Absolutely. But it would be my expectation as we talk today on Wednesday morning that it's still number nine starting the game, not number six, and that you're a lot closer than you were a week ago, but, but they're still putting the kids' long-term, you know, big-picture health above any you know, short-term reward of rushing him back a week too soon. We're talking to Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Uh, Brian, switching gears to basketball, the first regular season game in the books. The Jayhawks defeat Omaha on Monday night, 89-64. Man, Grady Dick, uh, as good as advertised, 32 minutes, 9-13 from the field, 4-6 from 3, finished with 23 points. Um, We've talked on this show the last couple of days about uh, freshmen that have had a debut for Kansas like Grady Dick, and the list is short. Um, but like I said, he's good as advertised. Your takeaways from not only Grady Dick, but just overall what you saw on Monday night. Man, Tommy, I'd say better than advertised because I've been coming on here telling you guys 
hey, he's lighting it up in practice. He's got such a sweet release and stroke and all that. But, you know, he's going to have to adjust to playing defense at the high major level and build self-caliber defense, and there may be some growing pains along the way. And, hey, I, I still believe that. But I've been so impressed with him the last two weeks, uh, these last two games in Allen Fieldhouse seeing the strides he's making on that end of the floor, the defensive end, because you knew the shot was going to be there. Uh, and Bill Self talked about it last night on Hawk Talk. He said that he challenged Grady early in the preseason and said, do you want to be known as a shooter scorer or do you want to be known as a player? Uh, you know, especially as you think about his future at the next level, do, do you want the book on Grady Dick to be as a scorer or a player? And, and he said player, absolutely. And so we've seen him – take on you know a much more active role defensively and I think his feel for the game on that end uh, and what's expected of a, of a starting Kansas basketball player defensively has, has really one week to the next I, I think improved significantly on top of what you already knew was a very elite scoring prowess on the other end of the floor we've gushed for a month now about what's special about his mechanics from the quick release to the high release points to the fearlessness with which he shoots it, to the short-term memory if he happens to miss three in a row, which I still haven't seen him do. Uh, the fact that, you know, he, he's just such a, a unique and special shooter. Uh, but now we're seeing the other aspects of his game on display. And, man, he's had some highlight reel rim rock and jams too, including one that our, our photo team did a great job of, of capturing the kind of cock back right-hand hammer look to the, to the dunk attempt. And uh, it's been a blast to call. And, I think that as other freshmen like MJ Rice, who's been dealing with a lower back injury, he's he's kind of been stuck in neutral and, and not able to do as much in practice to watch the rapid ascension of Grady, where I'm not saying the light came on all of a sudden. He's understood all along, you know, what Bill Self was expecting from him, but he's really started to, to you know, hit the fast track of, of progress as a more complete player. And so that's super exciting. And he's got a great attitude. He's coachable. He can take constructive criticism, and, and you use it to get better immediately. He's not one of those guys that comes in and gets coached hard right away and then kind of pouts about it. He's, he's here to be the best player he can be, and that you know, involves improving things that, that uh, you know, if he was a you know, 99th percentile shooter in the country but needed to come along in, in other aspects of his game, he's, he's here at Kansas to be the best he can be in every category. And, and Bill Self and his staff are helping him get there. And I think his humble attitude to take hard coaching early and, and learn from it, grow from it, build off of it, use it as fuel to your fire, has led to one of the more impressive rapid ascensions in a preseason that I've seen a Kansas freshman make. And not every game's going to look like 9 of 13 with 23 points and four threes and two huge dunks and all that. They're going to get tougher. Obviously, next week on Tuesday night in Indianapolis, when you're taking on Duke, it's, it's going to have a whole different kind of feel when there's a lot of other talented NBA prospects out there that you didn't face versus Omaha. But I, I'm here to tell the people of Wichita that one of your proudest sons is doing a great job, and he's making us proud every day with how well he has uh, approached you know, what's been thrown at him and, and the mindset, the, the hard work and everything he's pouring into it. Because now we're starting to see not only the flashes of what you knew was there, but some of the other you know, areas of his game rounding into form too. And it is fair to start talking about, you know, best freshman debuts. And I didn't get to hear y'all's conversation, but I'm sure you were talking about 
Josh Selby, 21 versus USC, including the game winner. Uh, you probably talked about Quentin Grimes, who hit six threes in his rookie debut versus Michigan State in the Champions Classic. Uh, you probably talked about Xavier Henry's 27 versus Hofstra. Uh, but you know, Grady's right there with all of them. I think the only reason why Selby gets self's pick as uh, you know best freshman debut was because it was a, a better opponent and he hit the go-ahead shot with a minute to go. That that's why maybe he gets the best self era debut of all time. But, but Grady's right there nipping at his heels, man, and that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun on Monday night. Yeah, and and a quick credit to Sunrise Christian and the basketball education Grady Dix received over the last couple of years playing at that level. They've been, you know, the top team in the country at times. He he's seen that competition. I think we're seeing it pay off, which is really cool uh, because Luke Barnwell and that crew does such a good job over there at Sunrise. All right, Brian, uh, we've got KU football right here on KFH this weekend. We've got KU basketball coming up uh, tomorrow night and then into the Duke game before we talk to you again. So plenty to make our way through. We joked before you came on, it's no longer, thank God, it's basketball season. It's now football and basketball season. It's been a while for that, and we appreciate you coming on with us. Yeah, think about our December conversations now. We're going to have bowl game to preview, know, right? to breakdown, like better recruiting coverage because they're getting better guys. It's going to be a lot of fun with both sports thriving. So thanks for having me on. Big thanks to the Mattress Hub for making these reports possible every Wednesday. Check them out at mattresshub.com. I'm getting the best sleep of my life, not only because my teams are winning, but because my back feels good. Thanks to the purple mattress I got from the Mattress Hub. So that check, they can do the same for you. Check them out today mattresshub.com guys have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you next week there goes the voice of the kansas jayhawks brian haney we'll come back we'll give away some more movie tickets to black panther wakanda forever come back with us for that we'll get you that opportunity and we'll keep rolling forward on a wednesday edition of sports daily Tune in to the Retire Hour Show Saturday at 7 a.m. on KFH or online at kfhradio.com. Tune in to the Retire Hour Show Saturday at 7 a.m. on KFH or online at kfhradio.com. I'm Bob Burke, founder and chairman of Burke America Parts Group, a family of brands that includes repairclinic.com, an appliance and HVAC parts solution company that's grown into an international brand. Before AmericanEagle.com, we partially launched a new technology platform developed by another firm. American Eagle helped take our technology to a whole new level with digital marketing, software development, and business insights into our key markets, appliances, HVAC, and outdoor power equipment, and did so both on time. Welcome back here, everybody. Let's uh, let's do this now. So we got plenty of time to get Kevin Saul on the line here. What we'll do is we'll give away our last. Jad, is this correct? This is our last four pack of tickets to a sneak preview of Black correct. Panther: Wakanda Forever. All right, so we've got one more four pack, and we'll do it right now to our third caller. It's a sneak preview at Boulevard Theaters in Town West. This will be Thursday at seven o'clock. That's tomorrow at 7 o'clock. You can get a sneak preview of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, uh, the original, one of the more popular 
of the Marvel movies. This one, I uh, just saw a preview at the drive-in. I was there with my kids the other day. It looks really cool. Uh, so four-pack, third caller right now, 869-1240. Good luck, everybody. Tommy will wrap up this segment. Uh, top of next hour, we're going to speak with Kevin Saul, the Wichita State Athletic Director. I think this is really good timing as we now have a, a shocker regular season game in the books, and we begin officially the winter sports season. So we'll track down Kevin Saul next on Sports Daily. Shocker fans, stick with us. We'll ask him uh, how things are going now that the basketball season is underway. You've got the women opening their season tonight. We'll have it all for you next on Sports Daily, hour number two coming up.